Tires. Me and I got such a beautiful behind the scenes moment. We're having <laughs> T I E S. Is it this? And the one Are Y. You pro spelling tires with an I or a Y? Oh, I was spelling it with an I, but now I feel like I should be spelling it with a Y. Nah, we're American. I'm a. You spell it with an I. Yeah, it's just like when the the U's get thrown in to words, and I'm like, ah, yay, tie. Oh my gosh, the Y's are the hardest ones to rip off. The Y's? The, yeah, they're like double. Like I can't oh, twist cause it because they're, yeah. they're double. Yes. Woo! Recording from New York and Los Angeles, your hosts, Nicole Katz and Brianna Klein, are lined up on the grid for this week's Gridwalk. Engines are fired up, ready to broadcast to you every Thursday on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and more. Subscribe, like the video, turn on auto-downloads, and leave a review to provide us with a fresh set of tires. Today, Gridwalk will take pit stops at... Um, Alright, we're doing a formation lap. I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, oh, silly, goofy mood today, everyone. Buckle up. Get ready. Well, strap in. The F1 season is officially here. We're going to see if the Red Bull actually has zero side pods, if Mercedes and Ferrari have dropped the ball again this year, and maybe McLaren might actually do some testing laps this go around. <laughs> it is time for testing in the 2024 season. So this episode is coming to you way earlier in the week than you would normally get it because Unfortunately, F1 again didn't like really schedule their testing around the Gridwalk release schedule. So we wanted to be able to pre preview preseason testing for you. And if we release this on Thursday, testing would be kind of over already. So we're going to give you a 101 of how we watch testing. If you've never watched, you know, a lot of free practice or testing before, and you're like, why are you so excited about watching cars be uncompetitively go around track? We'll tell you what we look for. Then, for the first time this season, we are bringing back the Tire of Topics, where the Overlord Tire is going to decide what areas we're going to preview going into this testing. You know, just how similarly, <laughs> that's not a word, just how similar will the junior car be to the senior car? Is Red Bull bringing a zero side pod? What regulation changes should you know about going into this year? What are the aero trends going to be? Push versus pole rod. There are so many things to discuss, and we are going to let the tire decide what we talk about. Then we have outlined some fun prop bets for you. So maybe you're still not convinced that there's a lot to watch in testing this week. Well, prop bets make everything more fun. So we have eight fun prop bets that we're going to give you our perspective on, and we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you head over to us at Gridwalk Show. Screenshot. Actually, you don't have to screenshot anymore. Head over to us at... Yeah, head over to us at Gridwalk Show and use our preseason testing prop bets template and let us know, tag us in it. We want to see where, where you're betting. Uh, and then last but not least, we're going to give you our formal Gridwalk livery rankings because we've calmed down from screaming about carbon fiber, which if you didn't tune into last week's episode, go check it out. Lots of carbon fiber screaming. But we do have 10 liveries. We're going to rank them 1 to 10. Also, a reminder, because you're getting this episode so early in the week, we are going to actually re release a second episode this week after preseason testing. You're going to get that Saturday. So we're going to react to all the inevitable drama, projected lap times. Maybe there'll be some shockers. Um, so you will get, uh, there's no Thursday episode this week, but you get it today on Tuesday and one on Saturday. So hope we make up for the weird schedule this week. <laughs> Take it away, voiceover man. It's lights out and away we go on this week's Gridwalk. Brianna, I've yeah. never watched testing before. How do? Oh, you're was laughing. Good, you said that in fun Was way, that but... a good segue into <laughs> talking about how to watch testing? I mean, it's a very accurate, on-the-nose segue, um, even though you have definitely watched testing before. Yes. Uh, yeah, before we get into testing and all this stuff, like we're unreasonably excited about testing. And I think that when we talk to people who don't normally watch free practice or testing, they're like, how do you watch this? It's just like people uselessly going around circles and we don't get anything. So I thought we could give a quick 101 on how we watch testing and why it's exciting to us. So 
the number one thing you need for this, well, I would recommend F1 Multiviewer, but you need live timing. So whether yes. you get the live timing through F1 site, or if you download Multiviewer and you get like multiple screens, which <laughs> makes everything easier, you need live timing. Um, and then beyond that, it's pretty simple. Pick a driver, pick one of the drivers that is on track at that time that you care about. Um, so for example, I'm probably, every time Lewis is on track, my driver's Lewis Hamilton. <gasps> then, shocker. Shocker, <laughs> yeah. Then you wanna see what tire and lap they're on. So let's say Lewis is on the mediums and he just entered the track. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at everyone else who's on track at that time. And you wanna find a comparable with the same driver and someone else who just joined the track, or maybe they are on lap one or two of their go around the track. Go one or two laps. Um, so the idea is you want to reduce as many variables as possible. So if they're on the same tire and they're on close to the same amount of tire degradation because they are, have done similar amounts of laps, then the fact that the car is definitely going to be on a different engine mode and definitely going to be on a different fuel level, it, it, there's just as few variables as possible. And then really what you're going to do is you're going to compare the laps of, in our example, Lewis Hamilton and this similar driver for as long as they're comparable. And what I do is I basically just have my little notepad and I have Lewis and let's say the comparable driver is Charles and I'll be like, I'll write down their lap times, like lap one, lap two, lap three. And I just start to see the difference between them. A couple things you should know is there's normally drivers will do long run testing and you'll know they're on a long run testing because the lap times they put in are going to be very similar. So essentially they're trying to simulate a race stint. Um, and then you'll also see like push and cool uh, stints that they do. And you'll know that they're on that because they're gonna go, they're gonna go out, they're gonna try to push the car to as fast as they possibly can. And then you're gonna see them do a really slow lap. And they're, <laughs> you're gonna be, then they're gonna go as fast as they can again and then do a really slow lap. Um, so. Assuming in this fake scenario, Lewis and Charles um, are both doing long run stints, you're going to start to see, okay, wow, consistently the Mercedes car is two tenths slower than the Ferrari car. And maybe that's because of fuel loads. Maybe that's because of engine mode, whatever it is. But you're like, okay, cool. And then maybe the next time that Lewis and Charles are on track together, then I compare those lap times again. And then basically over three days, you're going to start to see trends on which teams are faster than other teams under similar circumstances. And there's going to always be instances where teams are sandbagging, which means that they're purposely hiding their pace, um, or maybe some teams are doing what's called glory laps, where they're purposely trying to show themselves as faster. We're never gonna know perfectly, but by grabbing two drivers in comparable situations, you can start making little comparisons that build a full story on whether or not your driver is going to be happy or sad come Bahrain's race weekend. <laughs> yeah, it comes down to, I mean, one of our favorite parts of F1 as a sport is that it has so many variables to mm -hmm. like that make it up because everyone comes in with whatever they're doing with regulations and everything like that. So when you can start to be able to try and minimize those variables to try to like get everyone at the same level as close as you can just to be getting any sort of inkling of what the rest of the season is going to look like. That's what we start to get to do at testing and where all of the voice notes that eventually led to this podcast started with Brianna writing down. She, she does do this. It is paper, pencil, like, and screenshots. It's again, the podcast before the podcast. It's so we really try <laughs> to get an idea of what we're getting into, but then to your point, teams can just be sandbagging and then like, who knows what we're going to be able to see, but it's at least a fun time to attempt to figure it out. Uh, and of course, testing, I live in California. Testing's on at a weird time for me. So this same type of analysis, if you wanted to uh, do it for yourself, can be done after testing's over as well, where you get full lap times um, and you can compare at that point too. But um, have fun with it. You don't just need to listen to the broadcast crew the whole time. You can have, you know, your own commentary in your head, essentially. To Nicole's point, this podcast did start with me pulling lab times and having my own commentary with myself about which cars were going to be fast on a free practice. Because this is also how I look at, like, FP2 every weekend. 
It's a long extended F free practice. I mean, that's, right. yeah. Bunch of testing. Yay! It's fun. Welcome back to the Tire of Topics. This is where we let a Pirelli soft tire decide what we're going to talk about. Because there are so many storylines that are on track storylines going on into the season. For example, we might want to talk about sandbagging. We might want to talk about Alpine's improved cooling. Uh, Red Bull might have no side pods or something similar. You know, there's aero trends, regulation changes, lame duck shenanigans. There are so much to get to and we couldn't pick. So that's when we defer to the master Pirelli tire. You ready for this, Nicole? Yes, we love the good old master tire of topics. Please pick for us, decide what we shall discuss today. And the first topic is, did Red Bull change anything dramatic? Okay, I'm really glad we get to start here because, wow, wow, wow. All right. So the Red Bull was a show car for their car launch. Uh, but then they did a shakedown at Silverstone and everyone noticed that the inlets to the side pods were kind of blurred out on everything. And then then we sort of kind of saw them and, and basically all of this technical mumbo jumbo I'm seeing boils down to, um, did the Red Bull go slimmer for 2024? Are we getting a zero side pod Red Bull? That would be the most bananas thing i would love to see i mean now i think a year ago me would be in such unbelievable devastation of like oh my god are they gonna get no side pods and are they gonna make it work now given you know my lack of unbelievable like lack of allegiance right now to mercedes given the lewis hamilton of it all i would love to see it work i would love to <laughs> Which is kind of like a sassy, shady take, but that is a crazy concept. It just seems like they would be attempting this for shits and giggles. Um, <laughs> and just that like Adrian knew he was like, just cause I can, cause I know how just, just for funsies. I would love to make, just to show everyone it is possible. And this is how it can, or the alternative is that they attempt to do it. And it backfires unbelievably, and then more interesting things happen. So I see only winning involved. <laughs> I think that no matter like whether or not there are zero side pods or not, it definitely feels like we're going to be getting like nine RB19s and one RB20 on the grid. Like it seems like everyone was like, all right, we gotta create the RB19. And this is why coming out front in the regulations has such a locked in advantage because everyone else is chasing you. So when every team last year spent their time trying to catch up to Red Bull, Red Bull was still making strides forward. Uh, so is Red Bull hiding something on their car? For sure. Like there's definitely stuff they're hiding on the car because they're not going to sit still because then everyone will catch up. I would be shocked if it's a zero side pod stunned, shocked, like floored. And to your point, yeah, like I'm no longer feeling such a like Mercedes allegiance. I wonder why, but um, I, I think it would be funny, like for the plot. <laughs> Adrian yeah, well, this is all like, for the plot. I mean, I think right. this year, if we're, if we're really going and thinking that Red Bull will be at like this level of dominance. And if everyone was just playing catch up to the RB 19, if we want to even believe that there's a world where the catch up was successful, even though we, at the end of the season, that wasn't necessarily like, we didn't see a full closure of the gap because we also didn't see the full performance of the RB 19, I think at any point. So to think that, you know, Red Bull has made any sort of advancements and that advancements could or could not be related to no side pods or other things. <laughs> For the sake of the plot, really interesting. I'm here for the chaos. Let's see what's going to go down in 2024. And as someone who um, is invested in more competition this year, the bolder Red Bull went, the more likely it is that they could mess something up. Red Bull has yet to mess anything up in this regulation set. So I'm not, again, <laughs> zero side pod jokes aside, like if they went bold for this year, then there's a chance they might finally not get it right and we might have a competitive season. So that, I hope Red Bull went dramatic. 
but I do think Red Bull's hiding something. It's just like, how dramatic is it? And what will it mean on track? We'll have to wait and see. For probably Bahrain, or, but at least we'll get an idea yeah. on testing. Or they got it so right that it somehow becomes even more competitive, which is also scary, but different. Uh, we don't. We, we can live whatever reality we want to right now because we don't know. All right, let's do our second spin here. Spin that tire. And it looks like we're sticking with the Red Bull thing because it's how similar will the junior car be to the senior car? And I will start this sound out by saying, remember when I said there's going to be uh, nine RB19s and one RB20. I think the closest RB19 we're getting is going to be Red Bull Jr. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah, uh, down to, I mean, look, we got Red Bull back in the name over here. And it looks like a Red Bull can. It is just going to be the, as it is, little sister team. It'll, it will be a copy paste RB19, which means that it will still not be competitive enough to catch up to big sister red bull yeah. so like what are we doing here but okay right there's the whole like i hate that we have nine teams on the grid that are actually trying to win and one team that's just there to exist for red bull but i guess uh, an evolution off this question that i'd be curious what your thoughts are is uh last year they designed a car by themselves, and for most races, they weren't really a point-scoring car. Do you think this year, by them reaffirming a very close relationship with Red Bull and basically taking the RB19 and making it their car, do you think AlphaTauri will at least be a upper-midfield team again, like they were you know, when Pierre Gasly was still driving the car at the end of the like before the regulation reset to what we're on I'm, right now. I'm trying to, to like think of all of the other variables too. I also just have in my brain now that I'm just super convinced that Alpine's going to be like dangerously impossibly slow. So it like, it's like the re, <laughs> and re how is that different than last year? Yeah, but no, but this time I just don't have like any, like I think they're going <laughs> in knowing it. So it's like the difference. Ah, I'm struggling to, think that they will be in sort of any point scoring place i would love to see it for danny rick because of that bias there but i think if other teams are also going with this rb19 model and if other teams were more right than AlphaTauri, red bull jr visa catch up rb whatever you want to call it last year they they're still like playing catch up in that way so i'm not sold just yet um that would be quite a shift to see. Again, I'm root for the chaos, but I'm not necessarily convinced that it's it's happening just yet because Red Bull's going to still want them to not be catching up too much. I could see them nipping at the heels. Like I I could see them jump into that tier. Like so last year it was Red Bull. Then it was Mercedes and Ferrari. And then it was this group of teams that could sometimes jump Mercedes and Ferrari, but really it was more about Mercedes and Ferrari dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. Like I could see AlphaTauri reinserting itself into the McLaren Aston group. Right. That where, like mid tier, like that's what, like where Alpine yeah. could fall out True maybe. Upper and like midfield. Yeah. yeah. Like you're in like the mid. Welcome to the mids. <laughs> Yeah, like I could see them being that annoying team where on certain tracks their car just suits it and us as Mercedes and Ferraris fans are just annoyed at them for like six races this year. Just because it makes no sense, but they just had it figured out that way or... Right. Like the know, same way Mercedes that, like, or Ferraris McLaren. does get like gets it wrong or yeah, that's yeah. it's the the races where they just figure it out. I think they'll have it figured out for both and that's that's where it'll make a difference, but How about this? Yeah. I think Red Bull Jr is going to be fast enough that we're going to spend a decent amount early on in the season discussing whether or not it's okay for Red Bull to own two teams. I agree with you. Spin number 3. Let's see if we can talk about something other than Red Bull. Probably not. <laughs> 
All right. So we have McLaren and Aston Martin momentum. It's like not related to Red Bull, but could be related to Red Bull because it's the starting point of kind of anything right now. Is will yeah. they be able to catch the Red Bull? <laughs> right. Right. So I think McLaren and Aston Martin momentum is an interesting conversation to have, particularly because you and I have slightly different perspectives than a lot of people. Like I think the most popular pick for the team that could compete with Red Bull this season is McLaren. So I think starting with McLaren, a lot of people believe their end of season momentum is going to catapult them further to be very close to Red Bull at the start of this season. Uh, I'll throw this to you before I talk about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, sure, it's possible. I don't feel necessarily as confident in McLaren's ability. What's the... the the technical prowess (laughs) yeah like getting just fully getting the job done and maintaining that um technical need to like continue to close the gap i spent like you the team was so unsure at the start of last year and then like i think there's some things that sort of just figured out but they never really fully followed through i think there was an opportunity maybe like right at the end of the summer that we were talking that it looked like mclaren was catching up and then it kind of just like fell off like those last couple of races that it just it wasn't that they you know were dnfing or weren't getting in points and things but it just wasn't as big of a home run at the end of the season for mclaren as it looked like it could have been so i'm not fully sold yeah i'm not fully sold that they're the ones that are about to like come in and you know kool-aid man through the like top three of the of the grid it's i don't i'm not fully sold there yet i think it is under talked about the that red bull just stopped upgrading their car for the second half of the season so this, I feel the same way about Ferrari because Ferrari was able to quote unquote like close the qualifying gra- gla- gap. <laughs> it gap. is a bunch of grap clap clap. <laughs> uh, we've been recording for a long time today. My words are failing me. I don't think anything that happened when Red Bull stopped upgrading their car can be used as proof for what is going to happen this season. That doesn't mean it might not be tr- might not turn out to be true, but I don't think you can make a connection that way. I also think I agree with your point that McLaren had this spike at Silverstone when they brought their upgrades, and then they were jumped again by Ferrari and Mercedes when they brought their upgrades later. So this a lot of this goes back to me that the F1 media really struggles to move off storylines. So when something happens, something really dramatic needs to happen again for them to switch up the storyline. So I think McLaren uh, going from not being able to participate in testing last year to being that great at Silverstone was such a big storyline that uh, Mercedes and Ferrari slowly making improvements to their car to get back to their rightful place at two and three in the rankings um, is less exciting and harder to report on. Therefore, the narrative didn't follow. Um, and then annoying, I know long grid, gridwalk listeners have heard me say this too many times, but I just fundamentally don't believe that if you are a customer team, you can't compete for a championship in modern F1. McLaren is retrofitting the Mercedes engine into their designs. Therefore, they are at a disadvantage, period. Um, and then all this new technical leadership they just brought in wouldn't be for this car. It's for their car next year. Um, I don't believe, like, I think it's great that they have their new wind tunnel, but I don't believe that that's going to be the difference between uh, a, being able to catch up with Red Bull and being who they are. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little down on the McLaren thing, but it's not that I think they're going to be slow this year. It's just that I think the expectations for them are too high relative to what I think the reality was and is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And to your point of, you know, dramatic storylines and like something else needs to happen to make something else stop. I mean, the start of last season, it seemed like Aston Martin was the storyline of the year. And then that was like a 
flipping the script and as McLaren was going up, Aston was going down. So do you feel that Aston Martin has momentum to be going off of from last season? Or is it kind of now like a more of a refresh having to prove that, you know, they're coming in this season where they could have been, you know, maybe back to where they closer to where they had started in terms of success last year. Aston Martin. Uh, I think has zero momentum. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think people are underestimating Aston Martin and their ability to do a good job going into this season because upon reflection, it now seems like the uh, technical directive really affected them in particular when there was the front wing technical mm-hmm. directive. And then they weren't able to ever really recover from that in updating their car throughout the season. Aston Martin also historically even with racing point and stuff has never really been able to upgrade their car throughout a season, but they can come out the gates with a fast car. So I think that it would be silly to underestimate them, but we've done our season reviews. Now I've dug through all that data. Even at that time, Ferrari was a faster car. It was just less exciting to talk about Ferrari being a faster car because Fernando Alonso and S Martin and like, Oh my gosh, shocking. But We've talked to death about the fact that Aston Martin looked that good because Mercedes and Ferrari dropped the ball so much. Like the gap between Red Bull and whoever was behind Red Bull, the teams that should have always been filling that gap are Mercedes and Ferrari. They're the ones with the facilities and the technical leadership and the know-how to be able to be competing with Red Bull. So like my whole thing about McLaren and Aston Martin's momentum is I'm hoping that they are, um, they come out of the gates fast and I hope we have a competitive season but I wouldn't um if they are the competitors to Red Bull um when we get out of preseason testing that to me is not going to be great for our F1 season that means we're going to probably be signing up for another year of Red Bull dominance because we need the giants of Ferrari and Mercedes to get it right in order for someone to be able to keep up with Red Bull let's spin again I love the Tire of Topics. One day we should build Tire of Topics in our studios and we can... (laughs) All right, it is sandbagging versus glory laps. I did not spill right there. I'll spill it right (laughs) on the edge. Um, Well, this is kind of like a testing 101. Um, Like, words you're going to hear. So I think we should define what both of these things are first. And then we should talk about which teams we think are most likely to do each one. So, Nicole, what is sandbagging? Sandbagging. We love when teams purposefully slow down to then not be showing off their full potential of their car, not to reveal what their car can do. Or for, like, XYZ reasons, they're just choosing to not show their full potential and just go in. Like, they're literally, it's like, Sandbagging on the car. We're going slower. We're dragging. We're not doing what, you know, it's not a normal, it's, it's not a normal job. You're hiding. There's secrets. Yes. Um, some ways teams can sandbag and why it's ambiguous is they can turn down their engine. So normally their engine can do so much horsepower. They're like, oh, we'll turn that down and they can still correlate lap times, but we don't see the normal lap times. Um, another way is they can be going out with really high fuel. So in qualifying, they get the cars down to as little fuel as possible to reduce the weight, but you know, maybe they'll sandbag and they'll throw a bunch of extra fuel in there. So we don't know what the real pace is. Uh, So those are just two easy examples of how a team sandbags. Um, And the reality is no one knows if they are or aren't. So if you hear anyone saying, oh, that team's definitely sandbagging, you don't know. They're, they are guessing and they're making That's an either someone being hopeful for their own team. Actually, it could be someone being hopeful for their own team in either way, whether that is they're <laughs> referring to their team or somebody else um, just to make themselves feel better. That it's like, yeah, yeah, that's they're, you know, they're sandbagging. It's like, so it's fine. The opposite of that is someone going out and doing a glory lap. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's the most self-explanatory could be exactly what you think it is. Like finding magic in the car, like really purposefully, you know, doing an impressive lap time. Um, What am I missing here? No, I think that's pretty spot on. 
Yeah, it's... And normally you'll see teams further down the grid do this. Like maybe they want to grab a headline or attract a sponsor or... Um, I, this one confuses me because it's like, why set your expectations higher than they should be? But normally it's for some press sponsorship reason that a team will go out and try to make headlines and make it seem like they're... They're going to flex the on them. Yeah, yeah. That always makes me nervous. When I see, yeah. like, like when when there's, like, a Williams is, like, the fastest team and everyone's like, oh, my God, will Williams be great? I'm like, mm, yeah, you know, the really fast team sandbag. <laughs> And here we I go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You want to be a team that's sandbagging because if it's a glory lap, it's like, well, do it all the time. <laughs> right. Um, and not going going fastest doesn't always equate to a glory lap. It's normally when someone jumps so much faster. Like you can really identify it when it's like a half a second lap, fat, <laughs> half a second a lap faster than every other car. And you're like, oh, wow, there's like a big gap there by a team that you wouldn't expect it. Or honestly, even a team you would, where it's like, ah, yes, they were going to show us how fast they are. There were actually multiple times in free practice last season where I could tell that the Red Bull was like, yeah, we don't need to hide anything. Like, Max, just go do whatever you want. And Max would just go put a second and a half on the field and we'd all be like, oh, yes, okay. That's a glory lap. Wow, look at all of that. Just because you can and you did it. And now we just see this unbelievable difference between your lap times. Uh, What else can that car do? We'll never, maybe we'll find out if someone did something right this year. But Yeah, I think that you're most likely to see Red Bull sandbag, um, especially if their car is really different. Like we're probably not going to see the full pace of the car. Uh, Mercedes is well known for sandbagging. Yeah, I was about to say Mercedes- like for sure that's definitely going to be my guess for optimism i'll say ferrari because they're just going to be so much better than what anything that we see she says ferrari definitely goes for glory laps um they're they're very common (laughs) in going for glory laps because they want to they want to get that italian press hyped um it'd be interesting to see like year two fred Vasseur, who's like not the traditional ferrari team principal um if he actually does stand back and if it's or or just is somewhere in the middle and doesn't go for that like Ferrari have to make the headlines magical moment. Uh, I yeah. definitely think Ferrari. I can't see Ferrari <laughs> opting to not have that like beautiful magical moment. At least wanting to, and then maybe having to be towed back to the garage. <laughs> All right, let's spin this wheel again. Spin that wheel. I'm serious about wanting to get one in the studio here. Yeah, that would be like just. I, oh god, I would have too much fun with the wheel. Who eats their tires? <laughs> Woo! Yay, my box, box, box hat is uh, relevant. Right, box, box. Box, box? <gasps> box. A big thing that teams don't really know right now, you can run a ton in all their simulators and they're trying, but how do these cars interact with their tires? And everyone is trying to not be Haas from last year. They couldn't keep a tire alive if their life depended on it. Um, So I thought this would be a fun uh, topic to get into on our tire of topics today, because an interesting thing you could actually look for when we start to get photos from preseason testing is look at the tires and see how clean they are or how much graining there is or how many bumps there are. And you'll we could make a decent assessment about which cars are going to be nice to their tires this year. Yeah, that's another part of uh, my favorite voice notes from Brianna when tracking lap times. It's just like, nope. No, look, they're losing their tires. Tires are dying here. There's no way that they're going to... This is actually just giving me flashbacks to the Coda and just like, you know, Lewis, just the damn tires. It's fine. It's all great. But it's another thing you can really track to like keep your hope alive or not alive, depending on what you need in that moment in time. Look at, like, be on social media. Look at the photos people post of the cars and zoom in on those tires and if you correlate like how many laps they did and what the tires look like, and you can compare them between teams, uh, you don't want them to look bad. <laughs> there you go. There's your. <laughs> you want yeah, them? You don't want them to look off. <laughs> they, like it, that's. I mean, that's exactly. Like I don't know how else that's to explain it. No, that's it. perfect. It's like <laughs> like it, they gotta go. They're all over the place. They're not. And you know, you think of a tire, and they're like not our tires like you want these to be so unbelievably smooth that like it feels like a baby like not a 
That's yep. There you go. That's my lesson in tires. <laughs> We've been recording for a really long time, and I hope this makes sense and helps people with testing. Mhm. Mhm. All right. One more spin here. I think we have time for. Whoop whoop. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Lame duck shenanigans. Quack quack. Quack quack. Quack quack. Quack quack. Quack quack. Quack quack. Lame duck shenanigans. Quack 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 quack. Oh, bring out my rubber ducky. He's gonna sit at the table. <laughs> I forgot to add our quack sound to our soundboard. So next week. Quack quack. Sorry. <laughs> but the uh, behind the scenes, Nicole was the one who made our our quacking sound. Normally, it's voiceover man, but it's actually Nicole this time. Uh, so this is our first opportunity to see all these drivers in one place and team principals in one place after the big Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari news drop. So we're going to get Lewis and George in the same place. We're going to get Toto and Fred in the same place. We're going to get Charles and Carlos in the same place. We're going to get all these people in one place. And like, uh, like the question is, are we going to see any shenanigans? Gosh, someone send Andy, like Andy Cohen and a Bravo TV camera crew there just to like film a good reunion because this is going to be great. I guess that's what Drive to Survive right. is. Drive to but... Survive season seven. If you don't get the good stuff, I'm going to be disappointed because this is this time next year. That's what we're going to be looking for. Yeah, all that behind the scenes, like interest and gossip and things. Yeah, I'm sure there will be like very polite quotes about Fred to Toto and vice versa and just everyone's focused on this year and blah, 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 blah. But I think it will be very interesting to begin to see, you know, if which driver gets more lap time, which driver gets, you know, what we start to see like the differences of treatment amongst drivers. Do we see any sort of different treatment now to Charles? Because we know that like someone else is coming in next year. Like, is George gonna like be treated differently now that he's probably like will be number one next year there what is you know the difference that we've already seen a change of treatment for Lewis after last year that was before he even announced that he was leaving and or extending and then leaving it's it's gonna be a interesting thing to watch and people will be again it is ferrari so it's like everything's going to be watched like a hawk anyway so we'll be very aware and so will the italian media about any sort of differences or changes of treatment that go down i think amongst either of these teams i think the reality is because testing there's only one car for each team on track at a time we're probably not going to see a ton of on track differences or if anything it's going to be all of us reading into things more than anything else yeah oh yeah but I cannot wait for the first photo we get of Lewis and Fred saying hello to each other in the paddock because like they, they've been good friends for a long time. They always used to say hello to each other anyway. And the deal people are going to make out of it, it's going to be, it's going to be big like this. Cause this is the first opportunity for F1 media to really hound everyone about it. I think there will be a precursor to the shenanigans we're going to see. It's like a preview. <laughs> that we're yeah, getting. There's, there's too much buildup that, there has to be something now just to because it can be let out. We thought it'd be fun to bring back prop bets. <laughs> yeah, because Alpine didn't really yeah. let us uh, be successful at all, but I still blame them and not us. Right. It's Alpine's fault for being zero fun and not our fault for being more fun in our prop bets than they were in their actual car launch. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I feel better about these prop bets. Yeah, I do so too. Remind I think yeah. better odds. So reminder, if you would like to participate, to head over to our Instagram and use our template and let us know if you're a yes, no, and over and under for all these prop bets. And then after testing in our recap episode, which is coming on Saturday, then we will at least give you our results and you can let us know you beat us. So first prop bet, over under 2.5 cars being unable to get back to the pits themselves. They need some sort of assistance. I'm going with the over here. Um, okay, since you went over, I'm inclined to say under, just so we're different. But I think over is more entertaining. 
Uh, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. I think you don't have week? you go with your gut. You don't no. have to go opposite of what I do, yeah. obviously. No, my gut was over. All right, I'm going over. I'm going over because it could be the same car twice. Originally, I was like, wow, three out of the ten cars on the grid or some, but like, no, it could be like, you know, the Aston Martin gets stranded twice. So I'm gonna. I'm with you. It's over. It's towing sessions. Amount of toes <laughs> seen. Right. Right. It's not cars. It's it's amount of times that everything's had to stop because they can't get back to the pits themselves. All right. The next one. Over under 1.5 cars that completely miss a session, which means they get they do no laps. I'm going to do the under here. Huh? I'm the opposite. I'm going to do the over. I think two times there's six sessions throughout the weekend. I could see two times like something going wrong and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not the over. I'm going with one unlucky duck. Over under 1.5 pit lane near misses. Despite the fact there are no rules and that everyone can go out whenever they want. Just people trying to go out at the same time. Over under 1.5. I'm going over just because of the shenanigans and because people just do it. Because they're in their own worlds or causing trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so much of this is done where, like, what's the perfect run plan? And they, like, plug it into a software. And then everyone's software says the same thing. So I'm also... Like, go, go, go! All right. Yes, no. A 2025 driver announcement is made. So as a reminder, most seats on the grid are undecided for 2025 right now. So do we think we're going to get more news already during testing? I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with yes. I, I'll go, I'm going to lean into more fun, fun craziness. I'm just now expecting so much explosion to happen during like silly season, but just for differential purposes, I'm going with no. Yes, no. Green is the most commonly used flow viz color. Going hard, yes, except I think Alpine's going to use pink and I'm going green everywhere else. So yes to mostly green. Uh, I am going yes as well. Alpine better use pink if they want me to start forgiving them. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Mercedes uses the flow viz we can see or if they keep using their like UV light only flow viz so no one else can see their flow viz. It's like national treasure. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I think of every time. We need heat. And more lemon juice. (laughs) Yes, no, Alonzo does the most laps during testing. Alonzo, historically, loves testing. Constantly asking to be able to do more testing. Do you think he ends up with the most laps? Yes. It just makes sense. It'd be a good headline. It'd be something to run with. And just because he loves testing. So I think he'll just be like, do it. Put me in the car. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. So I'm going with yes. (laughs) I'm going with the field. I think odds wise... There's 19 other drivers. Things can go wrong. Just because Alonzo wants to do more laps doesn't mean the team will let him do more laps. I'm taking the field. I'm going with no. Yes, no. Red Bull brings out something that resembles the zero pod. I want to say yes. I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for the plot. I'm rooting for the story. Do I think it's in, like, the most likely? No, but I'm going with yes. Just for for the plot. I'm going with no, but I will point out that this is a little ambiguous because maybe they bring it out less pod, not zero pod. So we'll we'll have to make a judgment call afterwards, but I think I'm going to go with no. This has all just been hype. Just disappointing. Misleading. Trying to look over here. Right. All right. And the final one is yes, no. Lewis will get more laps than Charles. And yes, we know they drive for different teams. We just chose two drivers because fun. I'm going with no. I think Charles will have more laps than Lewis. Well, in that case, I'm going to go Lewis will have more laps than Charles. Because I don't know. It felt like a coin flip anyway. Who knows? Yep. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Make sure you tag us in all of your prop bets. We want to see who you're more in line with. We have 10 cars. We're going to see them all on track this week. Ah, cars have been <laughs> launched. They, we're, we're done. We're done with the car launching season. We know what all of these cars will look like for the year. 
give or take some special liveries. Right. Which I hope are better than some of these base liveries because after looking at all of this, honestly, I, overall, I think I like most of the liveries more than I felt in the moment. Cause in the moment I was just like more carbon fiber, but like, I, I hope for some colorful, fun, one-off liveries this season overall. Alpine, you still have an opportunity to right all of your wrongs. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I figure we're going to we're going to go in order that we saw the liveries and Nicole and I both have ranked everything 1 to 10. So, we're going to say a livery and then we're going to say where we ranked it and why. So, the first livery we saw was the McLaren livery. Nicole, where did you rank the McLaren livery? I'm already feeling like my hot takes are going to be steaming. I have McLaren ranked P7. Okay, well, I have them ranked P8. Oh, great. Okay. I don't know why I anticipated you having you them so like... much higher. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, um, this, I, I appreciate that they at least made the nose of the car the papaya. But every car that I ranked above this was better than this. It's kind of just what it was. Just, there was nothing special. Yeah, I had the issue um, where I loved every livery that they launched for every other series more than their F1 livery. So I was like, I can't rank this so high because I saw what they could have done. And I liked all of those so much more. So kind of Rossi IndyCar livery. So beautiful. Yeah, he definitely won the McLaren livery battle. After that, we got the Haas livery. So where'd you rank the Haas livery? I ranked it P10. I'm over. I'm so done with them and car launch and things. Yeah, I have them P10. Yeah, well, I had them P9. I don't really... I did think there was one car worse, but not by much. Yeah, it's probably going to be... I mean, we're not going to get into what my P9 is right now, but we'll probably take a guess. Yeah, I, I'm just... I think it, this was... I'm annoyed at Haas for so many things that they could have done. And I just can't get out of my brain that this is just a flip-flop black and white of what their livery was last year. Nothing special. Too much of the same. Boo. Yep. I agree with all of that. Well, after that, we got the Williams car. So where'd you rank the Williams car? Williams is in my P4. Oh, almost got on your podium. They're my P5. So again, we are very close to each other. <laughs> I I love the I historic references in this livery. It's I love when teams lean into their history and kind of make Easter eggs. And Duracell Airbox like pushes this up. We'll carry it forever as long as it's there. I will love this livery. It's such a great use of space, and it's I love this sponsor partnership. So. The Duracell Airbox made me want to put this on the podium. And then I remembered that I didn't really actually love, love, love the livery, but I'm happy that the livery was actually all blue. So like, mm-hmm. I really liked this livery. I think what docked points for me is I don't love the matte effect so much. I wish it was shinier and I wish it was brighter. So I'm happy it's blue, but I just will lean towards shiny, fun, bright more which is probably a preview to what's above this on my launch. Um, all right. After that, we got the steak car launch, which shockingly was not red and white because, you know, they didn't want to lean into the food that much. So where did you want, where did you rank the neon green steak livery? Spicy bold takes on my podium in P3. <laughs> Me too. It's green. Child rule. The gridwalk rule of showing. Yeah. <laughs> gridwalk rule showing child car. Kitten would say, that's a green car. Amazing. Yes, there's black. Yes, there's carbon fiber. But wow. Green livery. It goes with the branding. It is exactly what I would want it to. It's from Mario Kart, it looks like. I care for the fun. Here for a good time. Not for a long time. Bright neon green, shiny, fun. Can't wait to see it in night races, in day races. Yes, 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 yes. It is going to stand out like a sore thumb on this grid because it's so bright. And that makes me love it more. And that's why it's P3. I agree with you. All right. Um, Well, now we've reached Alpine, which I'll just tell you right now is my P10. I hate this car. And not just because they told us it was going to be pink. It just is 
the worst implementation of anything I've ever seen. It's just where they chose to put color is ugly. They chose to put their sponsors is ugly. It is just an ugly car. Yeah, it's my P9. My P9 and it could also just be P10. I'm just, I'm mad at everything, everyone that's just at the back here. It, this pink camo uh, situation, I'm, I'm just, I don't know how long it will take me to forgive them. And admin making jokes about it now just makes me more mad. I feel like I should make this my P10, but no, I'm just going to keep my rankings as is. It's rude. So rude. We've talked about it enough. Move on to the next one. Red Bull Jr. Where did you rank Red Bull Jr.? P6. Whoa! Yeah. I have it as my P6. It's... um, I think they did better than Red Bull. I think it's like a good, a better use of the Red Bull branding than the Red Bull car. Um, yes, that's so true. <laughs> and again, it, 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 I'm very reminiscent of Toro Rosso and that I wish they just would have leaned, just kind of just went back to that entirely. So yeah, it's at my P6. Okay, this was my first off the podium P4. So much so that I spent so much time trying to rearrange my top three to see if I could get this on my podium and it just missed it because I love the bright chrome-ness of it. I love that it looks like a Red Bull can. If you're going to be the Red Bull Junior team, like lean all into it. Like I, like without going for a fun color, this is as bright and fun as you can make a car. And right. I, you know, the same thing with the steak. Like if I put a little kid in front of a lineup of cars, like they would love this car. So like I, like it's just so shiny. It, it's what a Red Bull car should be. Again, they did a better job than Red Bull at a Red Bull car. So good job of being like the little sister and really kind of attempting to lean into whatever your older sibling can't or won't. All right, Aston Martin. P5. That's my P6. right in the middle. Yeah. I just think it's a slightly worse version of their car last year, but I loved their car last year and I love the Aston Martin green and they took the color away in the right places to take the color away. So it still looks like a colorful car, but I'm just, unfortunately everything above it beat it in my opinion. Color. Yeah. Color fun, less carbon fiber. That wasn't as much in my face. Like it was fine. It's great. The color carried this one here. Not as to your point of not as many changes as it was to last year. It makes such like a drastic viewpoint. I liked it last year, so that's why it's like right in that middle spot for me. Ferrari's next. Where do you have Ferrari? Ferrari is my P two. It's my P one. Yeah, it's. So fun to the point that Aston Martin of finding ways to put carbon fiber in places that doesn't necessarily take away color. I love to see that Ferrari like added color and like, and by added, it's like maybe this, this white and yellow little swoopy swoop, but it's there. It's it. They're fun. And it's lightning McQueen energy. And it's, yeah, it could have very easily been, like carbon fiber city and they didn't do that. And I really like, I enjoyed the team kits this year. They don't scream like that. This black, you know, like color blocking that they did previously. It makes so much more sense. It's very visually pleasing. I love the little touches all ties in together to Ferrari very well. So uh, I love this livery. Yeah. Ferrari is always going to be red. But somehow it feels like every year they are able to make a livery that feels like distinctly that car's livery. So despite this car also being red, I find that the use of white and yellow with the little swoopies, as you're saying, makes this car so unique and distinct. And the rear wing is gorgeous. So I do think because Ferrari is always red, there's always an opportunity for someone else on my list to be P1. But this year... I felt like everyone else dropped the ball and Ferrari upgraded their car livery. Oh, yeah. I th- and, and I was not anticipating them following through with that. So it was a great pleasant surprise of them being able to deliver there. I wish Lewis was driving this livery. Okay. At least it maybe it'll just evolve and like from this one. So it'll just keep getting better from here. All right, speaking of Lewis, the next livery we saw was the Mercedes livery. Where do you have that one? 
This is my P1. And I did have to remove all of my current ick about Mercedes right now because I am just so mad. But wow, if this is not like Nicole Katz making her own livery of going from that silver to this teal like line around the whole thing, then to the black. I We have not talked about these liveries because I needed to do this on the podcast of how unbelievably obsessed I am with this Mercedes livery. It is like I designed it myself. If this was me a year ago that I was screaming that the whole thing was black, I, this could have just been the one evolution of just like, oh, it's beautiful, it's perfect. But at the same time, I have such very low expectations for this team going into this year and I'm all into, you know, Hamfosi starting 2025. So I'm along for the ride. It looks beautiful. I get to enjoy what this looks like now way to go of making aesthetically beautiful decisions yeah uh this is my p2 i also love this car i did waver back and forth between this and the ferrari like back and forth back and forth i do love like like all the things that are like this was lewis's first car and this was lewis's most successful car and if it look if you take both of them you merge it together it's like this car being his last car and it um gives me a lot of emotion and feels and like if any car was going to be lewis's last car i'm glad it looks like this car because i think it's just it is a beautiful car in my opinion i think actually what dropped this down to p2 in my opinion isn't anything to do with Mercedes. It's just the fact that every team on the grid is so black right now that it's just like, it won't stand out the way the Ferrari is going to stand out. But I, I don't know. I, I really wavered on this back and forth so much. So I had, those are the two. I kept swapping them back and right. forth because I just, they're the two most beautiful cars on track this year for me. I want mini versions of both of them for sure. I mean, it's interesting, like, at least looking at my ranking. So I have the two most beautiful cars, in my opinion, P1 and P2. And then I have two, the two loudest cars in my P3 and P4 being Steak and Red Bull Jr. It's like, I want, like, like and then, um, but we, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see where we both slid in our Red Bull, but we should say it for the audio, everyone. Anyway, Red Bull was my P7. And Red Bull was my P8. Yeah. They have the same livery every year. And the thing, the thing that's hard, always hard about ranking Red Bull for me is that they have the same livery every year. And I like their livery. It's a good livery. It's just, unlike Ferrari, that's red every year, but they like make it slightly unique and different. It's just like, yep, that's the Red Bull. And it's also the more boring version of the Red Bull livery because they so used to be bright blue and now they're matte dark blue. And it's just. Yeah. I'm bored. Matte. Bored. Bored of it. Uh... Yep was exactly what I expected, blah, blah, blah. You could have done something like extra cool for 20 years, but you didn't. Right! Like, what if they ran the livery this year that was like their first ever livery? That would have been fun. That would have been sick. That would have been a great idea. Or even, it would have been maybe turn themselves into a Red Bull can. Oh wait, they couldn't because their like little sister did that first. It's the final lap hitting every F1 garage. Get ready for this week's Yellow Sector Notes. There's still no update on the sexual assault investigation into Christian Horner. We're going to continue to hope that the Red Bull Corporation is taking this as seriously as they possibly can, and that most importantly, the victim is safe and surrounded by support. Uh, this will continue to be the weekly yellow sector note for Red Bull until we have an answer to this question. There is a design contest where you can design a Lewis Hamilton race helmet. Everyone, run, race, go, enter. We definitely will be because that is incredibly cool. Shell, which is a very big Ferrari sponsor, put out a fun NASCAR F1 collab video. Zach Brown brought his pups to work. It's really cute. Uh, we believe Crypto.com is no longer an Aston Martin sponsor because they're gone from the car, but the logo does seem to still be on Team Kits, so TBD. Pierre Gasly visited the soccer team Arsenal. Same Williams note as last week, but I just wanted to direct everyone's attention to our social media channels at Gridwalk Show. Nicole went and visited Puma's flagship store in New York City while Williams was still there. She's actually wearing the hat she got there, the Alex Albon hat, um, where she was able to see the Williams show car from their launch and the cool livery and gave you a look at everything that goes on in the Puma store. So it's very cool. Go check out the vlog either on YouTube Shorts, Instagram, or TikTok. Speaking of vlogs, Daniel Ricardo posted a little mini vlog of his journey in Vegas for the car launch. Steak posted their driver's Spotify playlist. Uh, and last but not least, Palm Angels dropped their host line. That's the Gridwalk for February 20th, 2024. Completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than uh, Red Bull will look at testing.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Gridwalk. Thank you to our co-creators, Nicole Katz and Brianna Klein. Thank you to our four-legged executive producers and me, voiceover man. Don't forget to subscribe, like the video, turn on auto-downloads, and leave a review to provide us with a fresh set of tires for the next week's show. You can follow us on social media at Gridwalk Show for daily content. We will be back to walk the Formula One grid every Thursday, and we will see you for the post-Gridwalk debrief in the comments. Today did feel like a grid test and not a grid walk.